Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Joining me today, we have Phil Steele. You could get his college preview magazine on Bookstands today, or you could download it on the App Store if you have an Apple device or Google Play for Android devices. Phil, how are you doing today? You know, I am doing great, Taylor. How about yourself? I can't complain. Football's almost here. Let's start with the elephant in the room. You know, you have UNC second in the Coastal, third as the most improved team in the country. Your preseason, 36th best team. I almost fell out of my chair when I read that. What do you see that most people don't? Well, a uh, couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, when I talked to Coach Fedora this spring, we both were in agreement that pretty much if it could go wrong last year, it went wrong. It's a North Carolina team that was 13-4 and four in the ACC and 15-16. and 16. And Then the bottom just fell out last year. Now, coming into the season, I was not high in North Carolina. I had number 112 on my experience chart last year. And uh, the inexperience showed, as did some close losses. They had two close losses last year. 44 starts, lost to injury. So a lot of things went wrong. Now, this year, if the offensive line comes along, they're much better prepared at the skill positions. Remember last year they had to replace their top quarterback, top four rushers, top receiver. Well, this year they've got two capable quarterbacks in Chaz Surratt and Nathan Elliott. You look at the running backs, uh, all the top guys are back from last year. Michael Carter could be in for a big year. The receiving core, they had in some solid true freshmen who may step right in, and it's a much more veteran unit. And the offensive line, the big question mark. Defensively, seven of the top eight defensive linemen are back. Three of the top four tacklers at linebacker are back, and five of the top seven DBs are back. And then you have to like the schedule as well. They avoid Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, and Boston College out of the Atlantic Division. I feel those are the four best teams. You look at their road games this year, Syracuse, Virginia, both on the winnable side. Uh, and I just see a bounce back year for North Carolina. Coming off that 3-9 uh, and nine season last year, I think they'll look more like the team did in 15-16 and 16 when they were 13-4 and four in the ACC. 
Now, for people who aren't familiar with the magazine, you list North Carolina as the second team in the bull market. How would you kind of explain that bull market? You have them rated as a uh, plus six and a half, so people should be uh, buy, buy, buy. Yeah, the stock market indicator, what that does, and and you know, I'll tell you a little background on that, uh, Taylor. The first year of the magazine, 1995, I had my first analytics article. Everybody's into analytics nowadays, but we started 24 years ago with turnovers equals turnaround. And I went back and looked over the previous five years, and lo and behold, teams that had negative double-digit turnovers one year improved their record the next year 80% of the time. And on the flip side, teams that had negative double-digit or positive or no negative double-digit turnovers the previous year improved their record 80% of the time. So uh, it's or had positive du- double-digit turnovers you know, had negative record uh, 80% of the time. That thing has been true to form, and then every year I keep adding to it. I mean. YPP factors, close wins, close losses, uh, YPG in the conference. But the stock market indicator, what that does is it takes a look at a team's record the previous two years, example, 15 and 16. And in those two years, North Carolina won 19 games, which is an average of 9.5 games per year. Last year, they only won three. If you subtract the average of the first two from the other one, they are a plus 6.5. And teams in the plus 6.5 category always have a big-time improvement in their record. And I'm expecting that on North Carolina this year. Now, you mentioned the offensive line. Would you say that's the biggest key that you're looking at for UNC to have a great season? It's really my biggest question mark on the entire team. I'm, I'm comfortable with the quarterbacks. I think both got their experience last year. Comfortable with the running backs, the receiving core, the defense looks solid. And they even have the special teams rated number 14. Losing four seniors off the offensive line is a big-time concern. Now, there are some good plug-ins. You look at a William Barnes, a true freshman, 6'5", 320. Uh, he could come step right in and take a job, and we've seen that a lot in college football nowadays. Uh, Charlie Heck is a guy that uh, is an NFL player uh, at right tackle. I think he'll be a, uh, a draft pick next year. And uh, then William Sweet's a guy with starting experience. He started the first three games last year, then went down to an ACL. He's back. So I think the potential's there on the offensive line. And uh, really, the the rest of the offense is much improved. Exactly. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. You got a guy at center like J.J. McCargo, who got some good reps last year when Cam Dillard was out. William Barnes, I was talking to some of the coaches, and they were saying offensive line's the hardest position to jump into right away as a freshman. But physically, he's more advanced than anybody they've ever seen. But switching to wide receiver, Anthony Ratliff-Williams. This is only his third year, I'm pretty sure, playing the wide receiver position. What do you kind of see his ceiling? Because we've seen it in flashes like that Duke game where he can go up and make some ridiculous plays. Yeah, he's one of the fastest players on the team, and he's really coming into his own. Last year was only a second year playing wide receiver after being shifted over from the quarterback position. And uh, Coach Fedora, when I talked to him, said he's uh, he's really coming into his own, picking up the offense, and I think all that athleticism is going to shine this year. He said, and one being one of the fastest of the team, he's a guy that can stretch the field. And then you also have to like the uh, the true freshman coming in as well, like uh, Deami Brown. He's a guy that also can stretch the field. So I think there's some good speed at receiver, and I think the receiving core should be much improved. Is this something that North Carolina fans should worry about? You know, they get this star player in Anthony Ratliff-Williams, who technically does have this year and next year in eligibility. We've seen Mitch Trubisky leave early. We've seen Elijah Hood. 
We've seen Andre Smith leave early. Is this a case where we're going to fall in love with this player this year for doing great, and then they're going to leave for the NFL? Well, it's it's college football. <laughs> you, know, it's, uh, you never know. Look at Clemson's defensive line, for example. I thought at the end of the regular season or at the end of the season last year, that they were going to lose three defensive linemen. They were all going to leave early for the NFL draft. And what happened, They all three guys opted to return, and Farrell, Wilkins, and Bryant. So uh, you never know if they're going to leave or stay. It all depends what the NFL says. But, hey, let's enjoy Anthony Ratliff-Williams this year for sure. While we can, while we can, exactly. Uh, Michael Carter and Jordan Brown, they make up a pretty good um, duo in the backfield. But how big would it be for the offense if transfer from Ohio State, Antonio Williams, can play immediately. I think it would be huge. I mean, he's a uh, he was my number eight rated running back coming out of high school. He's uh, 208 pounds. I uh, averaged 5.1 yards per carry in 2017. He also, you know, dabbled a little bit in kick returns. He had a hamstring injury that year. So I think if he comes in while wow, you were looking at a stack backfield, because that doesn't even include a guy like uh, Javante Williams, who was in for the spring and had a really good spring, and he's got good speed, good balance. So this is a very deep running back core that would be made even deeper with Williams there. I'm an offensive guy, so obviously, and even Coach Fedora is an offensive guy, so we love talking about the offense, but switching to defense, can this defensive line continue to improve and kind of carry the defense? We saw them hold Miami to just 59 rushing yards, so you've kind of seen it in spurts. Yeah, and there's talent there. And what I like to see uh, from a defensive line generally is I like to see the uh, I like to see the guys in the middle have some size and you got Aaron Crawford in there who's 315 pounds, great motor and uh, you know he can even get to the quarterback which is really a tough thing to handle. Generally you look at those nose tackles they're in there to occupy blockers, but Crawford got in there and got three sacks. He's got a little twitch to him, and then uh, you look at Jalen Dalton at the defensive tackle spot. He was highly rated coming out of high school. They have the most ability of all the defense alignment. So this is a team that's strong inside. And then you have to have depth, and you got a guy like Jason Strobridge uh, backing him up at the tackle spot. That's a nice relief, as well as Jeremiah Clark at 315 pounds. Then on the outside, you want guys that uh, can get after the quarterback. I think Tomon Fox is a guy that's going to break out this year. He had four sacks last year. Could double that this season. Malik Carney at the other end spot. He's He's got the twitch and... Both the ends have decent size. You're looking at Fox at 250, Carney at 245, and I think both guys can hold the point, which is big. So overall, uh, this is going to be a, a good defensive front for North Carolina, much uh, and it continue to improve. Uh, I think when you look at the um, the rush defense numbers, they've actually improved four straight years or three three straight years. In 2017, they had the 40th toughest schedule. This year, it drops back to the 60th toughest schedule. You open up the year cross country trip against California how do you see that matchup because last year in Chapel Hill you know you were a one play away before halftime kind of putting that team away and then you get that penalty the roughing the passer penalty on third down and that kind of shifts the whole momentum of that game yeah I recently watched that game a couple of weeks ago and uh, you sure felt in the first half North Carolina was in control of that game until that unfortunate play and then Second half was a different story. Now, Cal's a much improved team this year as well, and the game is out on the West Coast. But uh, And right now in Vegas, North Carolina's a six-point underdog, but I've got the game right as a toss-up. I think that's one that North Carolina can go out there and win. I like the way North Carolina played against Cal last year at home, and uh, I think they can go out there and get that one on the road. So I've, I've got the game a pure toss-up in, in right now. Let me give you a true or false right now. 
both quarterbacks, Chasserat and Nathan Elliott, will play in this in this game? I'm going to say, wow. I know Coach Fedora would probably like to have one guy and settle with him, but just odds are I'm going to say both will play at some point. Yeah, yeah. And now the second game of the season, you stay on the road. You're at ECU. UNC's lost the last two games in this series, but, you know, there's no Zay Jones, there's no Justin Hardy, no Shane Carden. What do you expect from this Pirates team this year? You know, I like the fact North Carolina's lost the last two games to East Carolina because generally when you play a team like East Carolina, your biggest trap is that you can't get your players motivated for a team that's really been uh, performing poorly. North Carolina will be able to get that motivation due to the fact they have lost the last two. East Carolina probably has the best team that Scotty Montgomery's put on the field, but they're not a great team yet. They have my number 123 defense in the country. And offensively, they surprisingly lost their quarterback. Uh, Gardner Minshew opted to transfer to Washington State. So they're in a little bit of rebuilding mode at the quarterback position. Uh, the receiving core has got Trayvon Brown, but uh, other than that, there are some question marks. I've got North Carolina a couple touchdown favorite there on the road, and I think the motivation from having lost the last two to East Carolina helps them out greatly. And then you're finally coming home September 15th against the defending national champions, UCF. <laughs> what can you tell us about UCF? Because from what I've seen from Tar Heel fans, it kind of seems like they think Scott Frost is gone. They don't really have too much to worry about, but that's a team that's bringing back a lot of talent still. Yeah, UCF does have plenty of talent coming back. He starts with Mackenzie Milton, their quarterback, and uh, he's dynamic. And I remember talking to Coach Frost about him prior to his first year, and he said he was the most impressive quarterback they had in the Oregon camp, and uh, he, he would have been vying for the Oregon starting quarterback job. So he's pretty doggone good. Adrian Killens, a running back, is outstanding. Uh, they have two offensive linemen back. They do lose three. And defensively, uh, I like what they've got up front. They've got six starters back overall. Uh, but they do lose their outstanding linebacker, Shaquem uh, uh, Griffin, as well as uh, Burkett at the linebacker spot. So I, I think when you look at them with the coaching change coming in, uh, it'll be interesting. An interesting number to me is that uh, in Vegas, the over-under win total for Central Florida this year is just nine. And you look at their schedule, you don't see a lot of games they're going to be an underdog in. But in this one, uh, I think North Carolina's got a shot. Right now they're an 11-point underdog in Vegas. But uh, I like the talent North Carolina has. And let's face it, UCF last year was coming off at 0-12 and 6-7. and So they were the hunter last year. Every game they were the one that were saying, we don't get any respect, we're out here to play. Now here you have a Power 5 team in North Carolina that's at home, a double-digit underdog, and UCF is now the hunt dead. And I think that's going to make a difference. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if North Carolina pulled the upset there. Yeah, one player I'm definitely happy to not see in this matchup is former Tar Heel Mike Hughes, who just got drafted in the first round. So I'm happy that he's in the NFL and he won't be making that trip to Chapel Hill because he was one of the most dangerous players I've seen. Absolutely. And then you stay at home against Pittsburgh. Larry Fedora has yet to lose to Pittsburgh since he's been at UNC 5-0. Narduzzi, he's 3-0 against Narduzzi. You know, Narduzzi must hate Fedora. In 15, they were ranked and pit lost at home. 16, they needed that miraculous comeback with Bug Howard making that one-handed catch. 17, you have a 1-8 team coming into your house and beating you. Does the streak against Pittsburgh continue? I think it does. I've got uh, North Carolina about a touchdown favorite in the game. I think they're a little bit better, and they're at home. I will point out, 
that those five wins they had against Pitt were by seven points, five points, seven points, one point, and three points. So <laughs> it's not like they've been dominating the games against Pitt. They've been winning them. I sort of had the same conversation with Coach someone uh, of Arizona when I'm talking to him about Texas A&M and Arkansas. They had won, I believe he won all four or five battles against Bielema. Mm-hmm. And I said, watching the games, it seemed like Bielema had the better team each time. You, somehow, some way, the end of the game in overtime or whatever it happened, you ended up with more points on the board. So we'll see how that goes. But I think North Carolina is a better team at home, and I, I think they get that game. And then you come up on probably the toughest game UNC has all season against Miami, yet they played them close last year. What do you see going on in that matchup? I like the Hurricanes, uh, probably by double digits in that one. Uh, the reasons, Miami played a lot better at home last year uh, than they did on the road, and they, they get this one at home. They get it on a short week on a Thursday uh, and Miami's even a better team than they were heading into last year. They do not have the question marks uh, up on the offensive line and the defensive line. In fact, they've got one of the best defensive lines in the country. That would be a concern of mine for North Carolina. Uh, they wouldn't have, North Carolina would not have faced an outstanding defensive line like that so far this season, and this one would be on the road. So I like Miami of Florida in that one. And then this game is one that I'm really interested in hearing your take on it because you have Virginia Tech below UNC in the Coastal. But after last year, that game, it's going to be something I have to see to believe. Can UNC contend with Virginia Tech? Yeah, every year is a different year. You know, and you go back, uh, Virginia Tech's blown them out now uh, two straight years, not even close, 34-3. And and then, of course, last year, uh, 59-7. And when you look at VT, they've got Joshua Jackson back. They've got a good offensive line. But I'll tell you what, their defense that they have at Virginia Tech this year, going over it with uh, with defense coordinator Bud Foster, that's a young group. And since I wrote the magazine, they've lost some players, like Mook Reynolds, a whip linebacker, uh, both projected starting corners, and Jeremy Webb and Adonis Alexander, all gone. And while we were going through the team, uh, I told Coach Foster, I said, you know, every coach says we're young. 60% of our roster is underclassmen. Well, well, of course it is. You have true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, and then you only have two classes of upperclassmen, the juniors and the seniors. You should be 60% underclassmen. But I go, your defense coach, that's young, because it's almost all sophomores and freshmen after you get past the, the handful and maybe not even a handful. There's probably about four or five juniors and seniors on that defense. So I don't think it's going to be your typical Virginia Tech defense this year. And uh, North Carolina's coming off a bye week, which is a nice thing to happen. Uh, Virginia Tech is coming off a major game against Notre Dame and having to travel. It'll be Virginia Tech's seventh straight game of the season, third road trip in four weeks. I think the situation's perfect for North Carolina to get a victory there. Yeah, one of the misleading things about the Virginia Tech game last year was Virginia Tech's first four offensive drives were missed field goal, punt, punt, punt. But it was a situation where the next time the UNC defense came back out onto the field, they were down 14 nothing, And I think they realized the offense wasn't giving them a chance to win this game and kind of demoralized them. So you got you to gotta like their chances more than last year coming to Chapel Hill. But then you get your crossover game versus Syracuse. This is the first time they've met as ACC opponents. What does Dino Babers uh, have up his sleeves in Cuse? Yeah, and Syracuse is uh, this is probably Baber's best team that he's put on the field since he's been there. And you know, his main thing is he's got to keep his 
quarterback healthy because last year they were a different team with Eric Dungy at quarterback than they were without him. Now, Syracuse has the advantage of being off a bye for that game, whereas North Carolina's coming off a big home effort against Virginia Tech. And we saw last year, Syracuse, and last year and the year before, that Syracuse can pull some upsets. They upset number 17, Virginia Tech at home in 16. Last year they beat number two, Clemson at home. So um, they'll be fired up at home off a bye. Makes it a dangerous game, but I still think when you look at the overall talent of the two teams, I have North Carolina a slight edge there. So I've got the Tar Heels a three-point favorite in that game. And then you have another another game that was kind of just as demoralizing as Virginia Tech last year when you went to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's a team that's bringing back their quarterback, Taquan Marshall. What do you think about this Georgia Tech team this year? Yeah, and uh, GT's, anytime they come off a losing season under Paul Johnson, they're a much stronger squad. They've got their quarterback back, as you mentioned, which makes Georgia Tech very dangerous with uh, Taquan Marshall back, Kevante Benson back at uh, the running back spot. So overall, this is a team that's uh, more experienced, stronger than last year. Uh, but they're coming off a big game against Virginia Tech on a Thursday and having to travel. Uh, North Carolina's at home for this game. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, it's it's not going to be an easy game at all. I think this is more in the toss-up range. But I actually give North Carolina a slight edge due to the home field factor. And they and then, remember they beat Georgia Tech at home last time, forty-eight to twenty. Yep, yep. And then shifting down to one of your first. Uh, oh no, I guess it's the second in-state game because you do play. ECU, but you got a big rivalry game against Duke. Reading your magazine, the line that got me worried was when you said, for Coach Cutcliffe, this may be the most talented team he's had at Duke, and what he's been able to do with the talent there at Duke that he's had, and if this is the most talented, it kind of makes me a little nervous, but how do you see that game? I like Duke in this one. Uh, when When I look at Duke, I love their defense. They've got eight starters back on the defensive side of the ball, they got my number six set of linebackers in the country, led by Joe Giles Harris. Uh, you look at an outstanding cornerback like Mark Gilbert, uh, and practically the entire unit's back. And keep in mind, last year, Duke's final record was 7-6. and six, But I was talking to uh, Coach Carey of Northern Illinois and uh, talking to him about the bowl loss, 36-14. And he said when he was doing his bowl scouting, talked to a lot of ACC coaches, and they all told him Duke's a lot better than that record. And Duke actually had four net close losses last year. Now, what that means is take all your close wins, subtract off your close losses, and that's your net close losses. So they were basically four plays away from being an 11-2 and team last year. I mean, they had uh, aggravating close losses to Army, uh, Pitt they lost by seven, Florida State they lost by seven. So they had a lot of close losses on the year. I think this is a very good Duke team. Uh, They got their quarterback, Daniel Jones, last year, got off to a great start. And then in the middle of the season, he was banged up and uh, and even below average. I was now overwhelmed by Jones mid-year. He got got his form back at the end of the year. If he stays healthy, he could be one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC. And like I said, this might be one of Cutco's best teams. So I like Duke in that game. And then to close out the year, you have NC State. I noticed they weren't in your top 60. You know, I think that's a thing that has Tar Heel fans kind of salivating over. We want NC State bad. We really want NC State bad for in-state recruiting. We don't like their fans. They don't like us. Give us some good news. NC State's not going to be good this year, right? Uh, 
I don't. NC State's not going to be as good as last year. I'm going to say that because last year I was extremely high on NC State, and they didn't disappoint me. Uh, they came out, won nine games last year, won some big games during the season. They've got Ryan Finley back at quarterback. you got to like that. They've got a true freshman running back and Ricky Pearson, who is my number six rated running back out of high school. They've got a dangerous receiving core with Myers, Lewis, and Harmon. So I'm I'm impressed with what this team can do offensively. Now, one of the reasons I was so high on NC State last year was that D-line. I thought it was one of the best defensive lines in the country. As we saw in college football playoffs, we saw in the NFL playoffs, if you have a dominating defensive line, you're going to win a lot of games. Well, they happen to lose four guys early, or four guys to the NFL, including Bradley Chubb. Still have some talent there. Coach Dorn uh, feels they're going to be still good up front, but he realizes they're not going to be as good as last year with four NFL guys. Darian Roseboro's the top guy up front. Uh, they also lost all three linebackers, so the entire defensive front seven is gone. And while most people, when they analyze a team, they look at the quarterback, running back, receivers. And if you do that with NC State, you're thinking, hey, 9-4 last year, you got those guys back here in great shape. I actually put a little more emphasis on the defense, and I'm concerned that they lose all seven guys from the defensive front seven. The game's uh, at North Carolina. So I'm going to favor North Carolina a little bit in that game, and uh, I think that's one of the, going to be one of their key wins of the season. Wow, and you also have a stat in the magazine, points based on when people get drafted and who they're losing, and NC State has 26 points, and I think I read 24 or more points. The team has had a weaker or same record, I think, 81% of the time. Does that sound right? That's right, and they also had minus 48 all-conference points lost this year, and uh, so they've got they've got some factors that are in the pointing down category, much like North Carolina has factors like the stock market indicator in the pointing up category. Okay, awesome. If you tell me bad things about NC State, I'm listening. I'm listening. So you have home games: UCF, Pitt, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Western Carolina, and NC State. If you could only go to one of those, which game would you go to? Uh, I would probably go, you know what, I'd go to the UCF game just for the fact that uh, I think you're going to see North Carolina playing with a lot of emotion, being a double-digit underdog to uh, a group of five team. That's what I was thinking, either UCF, you know, that home opener, get that fall nice weather in Chapel Hill, or wait out the year, hope both teams are doing pretty good, and then go to NC State, but you also have the point where you could get last year where one team kind of spirals out. What would you say your best case scenario for the heels? Cause a lot of people are negative, 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 And then you're kind of on the other side where you're pretty positive about the UNC. So what would you say the best case scenario for them would be? Well, you know, if I'm putting on my uh, powder boot glasses and uh, going for absolute best case scenario, everything works out. Guys stay healthy, win every close game out there. I think that the Heels have a shot at a 10-win season this year. Now, I'm not calling for a 10-win season, but that would be your you know, absolute best-case scenario, I think. I, I do see them losing to Miami of Florida and Duke, and every other game I think it falls into the uh, possibility category. Well, I hope that 10-win uh, season comes true, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Oh, always a lot of fun, Taylor. I really enjoyed the conversation. Love talking football with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. 
we do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.